Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Hey, we have a very special show for you tonight. It's kind of like a greatest hits show, okay? We're going to be talking about a variety of subjects, including green fireballs and also what do dreams mean? So uh, stay with us and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney for the show. We have for you tonight, but very quickly, let me introduce the members of the posse, okay? Um, calling uh, girls, get ready. I guess you're already ready. You're already getting your uh, wipes in your, I'm not your wipes, your big box of things. Wipes. Because <laughs> <laughs> very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, Mac. Wow. Well, I got my uh, ice cubes jiggling in here. Do you, is that what that is? Okay, good to know. Up there in the in, 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 in bunker looking out at the rest of us, Commander Cobra's here. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be on the wing. Okay. Uh, up there in... Um, the Bowl of Flakes, Battle Creek, Michigan. Switchblade Steve Wood is with us. Great to be here tonight. And tonight we're going to have uh, top ten, top ten questions. Oh, this one's one's oh, one is doing a commercial for a whiskey on video. Uh, we have top ten uh, questions, uh, top ten UFO myths. Okay, so in other words, top ten, you know, UFO incidents or paranormal incidents that are completely fraudulent. Okay. And as a special treat for us all, uh, a special guest is calling in tonight, and they're going to read the top ten for us. So now, really, if we could please give it up, so I don't have to sweeten it in post. Lois Lane is with us. Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. Yes. All right. Can we all clap, please? Hello. I, I saw Lois Lane's picture on Facebook today. Yes. Yes. I think a you lot did? of people turned out. <laughs> as it turned out, one with the, the Red Sox hat and. Pointing, uh, yes, pointing at all of us. Yeah, in disguise. Yeah. In oh. disguise. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the one one just fell off this chair. Um, <laughs> Lois, how are you tonight? I'm very well. How's everybody doing? You really want to know? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Why don't we just get to the top ten list? So, this is I'll the tell you later okay. too, in a half half an hour. I'll tell you <laughs> how I'm doing. He's drinking some kind of fancy scotch. Um, Okay, so this is the top 10 UFO frauds, you know, call them what you want, paranormal stuff that people have been out there writing about, you know, being interviewed about, making movies about, making money. And a lot of it is just not true. All of it is not true. So, please, Lois Lane, the top 10 okay. UFO frauds, number 10. Number 10. Is there any kind of drum roll or I just go right to it? What's, what do you want, production now, sister? <laughs> just go right to it. Okay, number wow. 10. <laughs> Number 10 is Gulf Breeze. Gulf Breeze. Okay. Gulf Breeze. I mean, you know, we could talk about this all night. Gulf Breeze is this uh, situation that was uh, very, that, very close to it. Down in Florida where a gentleman, you know, suddenly came up in the 80s, suddenly came up with these outstanding photographs of UFOs. And, and there's a lot of military bases down in Gulf Breeze, Florida. It's on the Gulf Coast, obviously. And... There's a lot of uh, there's a navy base down there. There's an air force base down there. There's lots of stuff flying through the air. However, the pictures that he took were very distinct, very kind of I don't know. To me, looking back on it, they they kind of look like you know when you when you shake the jiffy pop and the thing comes up. It was kind of like that shape, but it had a light in it. So right. It was, now, now, can we mention his name? Or yeah, do sure. We yeah, no, go name? ahead. Uh, wasn't it Ed Walters? Ed Walters. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And, and and he was suddenly everywhere. You know, I mean, he was suddenly everywhere, and 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 people, you know, looked at the photographs, and you know, he said that you know that they were on the level, but then he got involved in some kind of conspiracy thing, and and and, and it really gets muddied. But 
someone, a friend of his or his assistant, was cleaning out his attic one day, and he found all the props that this guy had used to take pictures that he claimed were UFOs. And then they, he apparently gave the props to someone, and they took pictures, and, and they were the same pictures. So, you know, this guy, Ed Walters, and I know that afterwards, you know, he had even other strange things happen to him. So he says, but as far as the Gulf Breeze pictures were concerned, uh, they were frauds, you know, they were fakes. They're fakes. But, but wasn't the area a, a pretty high UFO activity? I mean, there was legitimate unknowns being yeah, seen out there. Now. Well, yeah, but a lot of those are actually, um, uh, you know, um, military. Military. Yeah, hang on. Yeah. The I, area that uh, surrounds this uh, set of sightings sits between Pensacola and Fort Walton Beach, Florida, where you have Eglin Air Force Base, which is one of the largest uh, munitions testing flight test facilities in the world and then of course uh, NAS Pensacola and quite a bit of intensive uh, pilot training uh, that goes on the Navy side there. There's numerous fields and then you have a large special operations command that was on the beach. Mm-hmm. So it was not uncommon for aircraft with extremely low lighting, um, no lighting at all, NVG work going on. Um, in that area. Large right. uh, range activities that were going on, uh, explosives being dropped, you know, munitions being dropped. So a lot of what was seen uh, and tied into that was obviously connected with the base. Mm-hmm. It can be a small case made, I think, for any time that anytime that activity is going on, you could have other types of aircraft or other types of visitors going on there. But unfortunately, the case become extremely weakened with this gentleman when the props that were yielded found. almost the exact same types of pictures that he published <laughs> – he got caught. Were seen. Right. And his explanation was he made the model so that he could study and recollect better oh. what was going on with mm-hmm. what he had experienced. Sounds good Most to me. Most people cannot make a three-dimensional all-sides model when they only see or view or pictures from one direction. So it was a very interesting claim that he made. Okay. Uh, number nine, please, uh, Lois Lane. Number nine is S4. S4. Okay. S4. The myth of S4. S4. Is it's a uh, supposedly a top secret U.S. base, 75 miles south of Area 51 in the Nevada desert, next to a mount or inside a mountain called Papoose Mountain, a Papoose Mountain, and in there, uh, claimed by some people, um, the U.S. government has, depending on who you want to listen to, uh, or who you want to believe, up to 12 different UFOs. Uh, flying saucers that have been recovered. Some of them are damaged. Some of them aren't. They fly some of them. Some of them they can't fly. They're studying them. They're reverse engineering them. You know, the people who, you know, the beings that they found, their bodies are there. Dick Cheney had a special hit squad out of this place, so on and so forth. Craziest stories in a cra- in the crazy kind of UFO paranormal, you know, myths. But here's what S4 was. Um, there's, um, and we've told the story before. Uh, Area 51, 75 miles to the uh, northeast. That's where what they really do is they they test secret aircraft there, CIA, Air Force, you name it. And what they would do is a lot of times, you know, they have to test these things statically, which means they have to bring them out on the runway, start them up, but they don't actually go anywhere, and it takes a while. So what was happening was Russian satellites were going over Area 51 on a regular basis, and the guys just didn't want to go through all this thing of schlepping the plane out on the runway, then have to bring it back in the hangar, lock everything up, wait for the Russian satellite to go over, bring it all out again, and do it all over again. So they planted this story that it was in an even cooler place, 75 miles 
uh, south of them, southwest, and, and it was just enough, supposedly, that the Russians had to recalculate how their spy satellites were going to go over. So, again, it makes more sense to me than this other uh, explanation. So what they did was the Russians changed you know, exactly how they were going to fly over the U.S., that part of the U.S., and they took some of the heat off of the people at Area 51 because we got them looking at basically, which is just you know a mountain in the middle of the desert, Nevada desert, nothing is there. And it must have worked for a while. Um, but that's 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 the story behind it. That's why they did it. How's did, that? Did S four was Bob Lazar the first one to Bob mention S four? Right. Yep. Was that independent? No, okay. Bob Lazar was the first one. He you know let's say planted the seed, and that's all you have to do these days. You have to just make one claim, and then you know there'll be fifteen people writing books about it. You know, so I think it was very well done. If the, if the Russians did in fact change their satellites to look at S four twice a week instead of looking at Area fifty one five times a week. Then it worked. Yeah. Coco, you get no comment on that, Koki? Uh, S4 is an interesting uh, classic diversion deception setup that goes on there. Yes. Um, one of the reasons that you would want to have that, you can get as much damage by showing them something that they think they're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and it those it, aside from not wanting to do the work, there were so many satellites and so many overflights that they couldn't up and break down in time uh, without doing damage to some of the testing that they were doing. Right, yeah, some of it yeah, had yeah. to be done in, you know, with, with a daylight type situation. The other part of it is just a ruse. It's you know, back in the 80s. People look over it, that direction. Right, yeah. It happened a while ago. So, Anyway, uh, Lois Lane, uh, the top 10 UFO myths slash paranormal incidents. Please, the next. Okay, we are number eight. eight. Counting down. Number eight, Dulce Mountain. Dulce Mountain. Okay, this Dulce is one Mountain. of my favorites. Okay. There are some people who believe that in um, in New Mexico, there's this place called Dulce Mountain, D-U-L-C-E. And they believe that within it, there are 50,000 aliens living and doing experiments, among other things, on human beings, um, changing human beings into octopuses, you name it. And that they are doing this to finally enslave us so we can work in their minds on the moon and on Mars. Now, as crazy as that sounds, that's literally what some people believe because, once again, there's books written about it. They've been interviewed on, you know, Alien Hunters or whatever these shows are. And let's face it, uh, and they're supposed to be in, in Congress with the U.S. government. So we, supposedly, we know they are there. We know 50,000 aliens are living in this mountain. Every once in a while, we have a firefight, but we kind of let them do what they want because they're so powerful. If we don't, they'll destroy us all. That is literally what some people believe. And it's just, you know, BS. Switchy? Yes. Switchy? Uh, not, not an area that I've really looked into mm -hmm. okay. too much. Uh, I'm more the esoteric uh, keel of a lay. What, wing, did, you, you know, but, what uh, did you have for breakfast? The hard part that you've always very eloquently laid out here when you've thrown the BS flag, and you don't do it that often, mm -hmm. is that much like the uh, many things that are rumored about the Nazis and their connections with extraterrestrials and super weapons and having advanced technology. Well, why do they let us win the firefights? What, what's the upside right. for what's going on with this? Um, and again, it doesn't, it, I always looked at this particular case as it wouldn't surprise me if there's something is going on there. 
and if this was just conveniently cloaked in the whole mystery well, lore paranormal thing for something that is well there is nefarious or not but it's probably man-made activity right. here's what here's the short story okay because we you know time is of the essence a little bit on top 10 but basically the, the backstory is that there was this guy he was a military contractor and he was um, he had a business right outside an Air Force base down in New Mexico where they had a lot of nuclear storage sites, which was supposed to be completely top secret, and also where they did some testing on the stealth fighter way back when. This guy had some kind of a machine that started detecting signals that he thought were from the Russians, but and he couldn't find anything you know, in this Air Force base that would match up with it. So he reported, he did what he thought he should do. He reported it to the authorities on the base. And That's Paul Benowitz, right? Paul Benowitz. And, you know, he was a contractor. He knew these people. And then as it turned out, what happened was what he stumbled upon was something having to do with the radio transmissions with these nuclear storage sites, top, top secret. Also, the stealth fighter, tippity top secret. So instead of just bringing the guy in and have him sign a security agreement like any good patriot would, they turned these two guys on space, uh, U.S. Um, Air Force Intelligence, which are basically like MPs, and they broke into his house. They put, they stole a lot of his stuff from his computer drive, and then they gave him fake stories saying that they were on the level that that this kind of activity was happening. It's it's a long, long story, but basically what happened to Paul Benowitz is he went nuts, and he and he was a he was an educated guy. He went crazy. He saw all kinds of conspiracies happening and so on and so forth. He wound up going into a mental institution and I think committing suicide because of, you know, what these government employees did to him. And, and, and somehow they got a fertile mind to believe them that there was all these aliens in. in because of they messed with him. It was, it was William Moore, wasn't it? Yeah, One of right. the guys behind yeah. it. Yep. And he came out, you know, he came out and, and admitted, you know, we did it. Um, you know, we did it on purpose. It was part of our little disinformation campaign. You know, because I guess they had nothing better to do. And, um, uh, you know, but it, it didn't do him any good. By that time, he was around the bend, and at the very least, he was locked up in a sanitarium. So it's a it's a sad story. So next uh, uh, next uh, UFO myth, please, Lois Lane. Here, on to number seven, the Nazi space base in Antarctica. Okay, well, Coco touched on this a little bit. You know, one of the, another of these myths that are around uh, is that the Nazis somehow had help from extraterrestrials and, um, you know, the, the uh, inventions they supposedly had, the aircraft that they supposedly flew. And one of these uh, myths is that they had a base down in Antarctica. They had a space base down there. Somewhere down in Antarctica, they were blasting off uh, rockets too, which I think is number six, which is a Nazi space base, a Nazi base on the moon. Is that it, Lois? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's okay. number six. Okay, so you know, just put them together. For some reason, people want to think of the Nazis as these cool guys in cool uniforms who could do no wrong. Okay, they were superhuman, super smart, so on and so forth. But as Coco said earlier about this Dulce Mountain, if they were so good, if the Nazis were so good, if the aliens are so good, but if the Nazis are so good, why did they lose the war? You know, I, 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 I keep saying this over and over again. All you have to do. If you believe this, the bell, any of this nonsense, that you know, the, the Nazis are in touch with some planet 44 light years from Earth, you know, and read it for entertainment value, but don't believe it. Don't spend your money thinking that this is true. Because all you have to ask yourself is, if they had all this tremendous extraterrestrial help, why did they lose the war, right? Well, they made it look good so that when the next war comes around, mm -hmm. they'll be 
Well, see, see. So we have yeah. something to look forward to. Is that what you're saying there? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, let's see. We've done six. So why don't we go to number five there? What was like? Number five, counting down, we're on to the secret space force. Okay, the secret, secret space, space force. Or secret space Ooh. program, you know, whatever. Once again, this is one of these myths that have been, you know, kicking around. People have written long, long books about it. This People is not Nazi, though. No, no, no. This is supposedly that the U.S. government for years has had the secret space force in which they have, you know, um, craft that uh, you know leave the Earth's atmosphere, go out of orbit, go and visit all the different planets in our solar system, riding around out there, and none of us know about it. And um, you know, like I say, I, I've seen people, I've been on radio shows of people who swear this is true, but it's not true because all you have to do is you have to think to yourself, okay. Just like the Nazis didn't have a space base down in Antarctica or on the moon because you would say, well, were there logistics for this? How would you possibly get all the logistics you would need to launch a rocket to the moon? How do you get it down to Antarctica and then launch it? And why would you bring it down to Antarctica in the first place? Okay, And and once again, if they had a base on the moon, where is it? Where are the ruins of it? The moon has been you know, photographed and surveyed many, many times over every square inch of it. Nothing's up there. Uh, that anyone thinks is up there other than what is supposed to be up there. It's this idea that people will believe anything, you know. People will believe anything. And and if you think there's a secret space program, then ask the questions, where are the bases for it? Where are the logistics for it? Think of how NASA, all the things that have to come together for NASA to launch the space shuttle, for instance. You know, it takes tens of thousands of people. And Is this uh, part part of Project SERPO? Sure. It's an exchange yeah. program 39 light years away yeah, some sure. kind of alien race yeah. okay yeah okay sounds good you know it's it's nonsense and what and what bothers me a lot is that people you know like i say they buy maybe for entertainment value or whatever but if you believe it then you're just muddying the waters of what the real secret behind ufo's or any kind of paranormal activity is okay and and i think we're doing their job for them frankly if they, if their idea is to kind of distract us and so on and so forth there are plenty of people out there doing the job for them and anyone who performs. I think that's the point that you need to emphasize this, Mac, because I do think that there is quite a bit of secret space activity that has gone on in the military, uh, even with the X-43. But the problem is, is that it's not in the realm uh, that that makes any kind of logical sense. Um, we, what is rumored is that we have a secret Star Trek level activity that is going on mm-hmm. with extraterrestrials. Yet it doesn't seem to make any sense why we would have these agreements. Why would we be pulled into this? You know, what's the hmm. what's you know, what's what, what would this happen? And when you ask these questions, people get really, really upset with but, you that 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 are in belief of this. And I think it goes back to the okay. type of things that happened under Project Blue Book, where you use the UFO craze uh, interest. Uh, ET craze interest mm-hmm. as cover for other things that are going on. And I'll tell you where the, where a lot of the money uh, aspect of this makes me crazy. The yes. secret space program does get a lot of money in black funding uh, for what activities that are going mm-hmm. on. Satellites, uh, mm-hmm. reconnaissance aircraft, and probably a very sophisticated level of space weapons that every nation that has space flight capability is probably violating. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. But they're not joyriding among the nine planets of our solar system. Which I, I don't some think of these that people the possibility that is what's happening, but I think it's a very convenient uh, way to go forward. Next uh, next on the list, please, the top 10 UFO we are t- Yes, we're down to number four. Number four. 
anything written by Whitley Strieber. There you go. Okay. He's the poster boy for all these myths and these frauds. And he's probably made the most money off of it, too. Okay, let's just get a little bit into his background. You know who he is there, Switchy, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not absolutely sure that you're correct on okay, this. Okay, well, let me try to convince please, you, okay? Please proceed. Okay. He was someone who, in the 90s, he wrote two really popular horror books. One of them was called The Wolfen, which I'm um, assuming had to do with, um, you know, werewolves and stuff. And then he wrote another one, Strictly Horror. Did he re- write The Brethren or something? I don't know. But he wrote these— the Hunger for the Communion? Yeah, yeah this is before that. Um, the Hunger before—right. So, oh, okay. So— He's a, he's a successful horror writer, right, which is not easy to do. But somewhere along the line, he either ran out of ideas or he had an opportunity to write a different kind of book, and he did write a different kind of book. He wrote a book that he said was not, fi- was not fiction. He says this is a true account of him being up in his cabin up in upstate New York and visitors, in quote, she never really said where they're from, but there were visitors not from here, came and talked to him and got in communion with him and so on and so forth. And he wrote this book about it, which was a huge book, which was because he already had a name. It was a bestseller and so on. And then he wrote a whole bunch of books about, oh, I remember this other meeting I had with these guys and this other meeting. And then I went to their plant. He just kept on going and going and going. But let me just tell you something about him. So... In the summer of 1966, there was a guy who went up to the top of a tower at at Texas University and shot, I think, 50 people. He was the Texas Tower sniper, okay? Do you remember where he – it was either – it wasn't Texas A&M. I think it was just Texas – University of Texas. But anyway, his name was Charles Whitman. And he was, you know, a Marine who, you know, just had some kind of mental issues, went up to the top of this tower – and shot a bunch of innocent people. And it went on all afternoon until finally someone got up to the top of the tower and shot him. Now, uh, Whitley Strieber, interviewed in 1985, said that, you know, he, it, that the day that happened, he was in this, like, a bookstore or a magazine store or something. He's with four other people. The shots start firing. And the problem is, is that no one knows where this guy is for a long time. So you don't know where to hide because you don't know if he can see you or not. So these four people who are with him, they all say, let's go this way. And he says, no, I think we better go this way. So they go that way. He goes his way. The four of them were shot, killed, um, to the point where it was, they were just grossly uh, killed. You know, he, he goes into a graphic description about how one of the girls was, like, vomiting parts of her insides and screaming for her mother and so on and so forth. Another guy came along. He wanted to go help them. He went out to help them. He gets shot in the head. He's dead. Uh, a little kid is riding his bike towards Whitley Street, Whitley Street, and he gets shot. His head explodes as he's riding the bike. There's blood everywhere. There's bodies everywhere. Whitley Street but knows that they've caught the guy, but he refuses to come out of his hiding spot until he actually sees the guy being, you know, carried out on the gurney because he's dead. Okay, very dramatic, very traumatic, traumatic, traumatic. It's all a lie. Dramatic. It's absolutely all a lie. He wasn't there that day. He made it all up. Made it all up and has been proven to have made it all up. And then when he's, you know, um, in some interviews or whatever and people bring it up, what he says, well, what I meant to say is the aliens gave me these memories. You know, I was there because the aliens wanted me to be there. Okay? Okay. In my mind, that's all you have to know about this guy. If you believe then everything else he's written about being in communion with these aliens and 
going to their planet and so on and so forth, then, you know, more power to you. But it's all bullshit. Okay. And it, he, it is interesting that the with the advent of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which came out toward the end of the 70s, and then Straber's Communion, which came out in the early 80s, mm -hmm. that that's when people started seeing the grays in mass, when mm -hmm. prior to that, you could barely find anything that looked like a right. gray. Because it was entering into our, like our national consciousness or something, you know? And, and once again, it's, and I've said it before, if I write a book for a publisher, you know, someone is going to vet it, the illegal people are going to vet it, and if there are things you can't back up with two sources, not counting Wikipedia, then you're not going to get it published. But these days, I'm sure Whitley Strieber probably has his own publishing company now. No one's going to vet his books. No one's going to go through them and say, Jesus, you know, this is BS. He just puts them out. He has a legion of fans. They buy them. He makes a lot of money. And they wind up believing this stuff. So Whitley Strieber, if you ever want to come on the show, let's do it. Here we go. That sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I All don't right. think that's going to make him want to come on. No, you never what, know. What you, just said. you never know, Lois. <laughs> go ahead, please. Maybe. Next. Maybe. Are we at number? Are we, are we ready for number three? We sure are. Okay. Counting down to number three is Juan Juan Starboard Galley UFO Abduction oh, Incident. Okay. Do you remember that, JJ? You probably don't. I do. I was there for that. <laughs> you were there for that. <laughs> well, the way the story that? goes is, you know, one night we're down there, we close up the place, and, uh, yeah, it turns out, um, you know, this isn't the night you had to sleep over at our house, did JJ? This is another night, and you slept in one of the booths down at the Starbucks. It was, a, it was a night when I should have had the sleep over. There you go. And you said that aliens. Instead, I had another martini. There you go. In pro Reminds doing. me of that scene from Ghostbusters when the, uh, the gal, Ghostbusters 2, is on, uh, on the show, and she explains that she thinks it was an alien. Um, but she's not sure because the spaceship looked just like a room at the Holiday Inn in Paramus. Well, hey, so. you, you never know what taste they have. Anyway, that was uh, one one was not abducted from the stopping alley by aliens. That's a that's a myth. Anyway, uh, next uh, is, are we down to number one there, Ron? We are down to the final one. Okay. I bet you people can guess it. Roswell. Roswell. Okay, this is my favorite binky. Nothing happened at Roswell, and I'll make it quick, because part of the debris that was said to have been gathered, there was rope. There was rope in the UFO debris, and I just don't think a UFO would have rope on it. I don't think that they would need rope. However, I mean, you know, you might— It's Robichon hardware on it, right? You know, the, 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 but there is rope on these top-secret balloons that they were launching in that area at the time— because they had these things called kites on them, and they were the kite tails, basically, and, um, you know, rope would be involved in that. You know, the circus that has grown up around Roswell, and, and once again, how these kind of charlatans have stolen people's money by writing stuff and pretending it's the truth, but it's not. Stan Friedman, R.I.P., you know, but he was the guy. He, he, he led that charge of kind of like bringing Roswell back. It wasn't even in public consciousness. It happened down the 40s, but... He brought it back in the 80s with a, with a story in the National Enquirer and lots of books and interviews and basically made the guy famous and more famous than he was before. But nothing happened down there. Nothing happened down there because you can argue it all you want, but I, I, I don't think anyone can make a compelling argument that there'd be rope on a flying saucer. Sorry. The rope? Well, I would like to, as a good uh, space yeah. lawyer and international uh, Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. barrister, if they had gathered uh, livestock— there's a good chance the livestock could have had rope yeah. on them. So I don't, I don't think I've heard anything about them you know, having livestock down in Roswell. 
the, but but uh, you know they again what crushing a ranch just what, the, to... what these people have done too is that they've also done stuff that they said the american military like killed people to shut them up you know tortured them you know blackmailed them so on and so forth and it's all baloney okay and and all that does is just you know make someone else mad at you know the government and when it's not true if you're gonna get mad at them get mad at them for stuff that they actually do not stuff that's made up well, you know, Mac, we talked about this many, many times, and, and I'm going to agree with you that Roswell is an extremely shaky case from how I look at it and the absolute insanity that was going on in the post-World War II, pre-Korea, uh, new atomic age that we were in. Hmm. Satellites uh, had not been perfected. The U-2 flights were just starting to really uh, operate, which links back to your very first uh, discussion point we were talking about um, at uh, Groom Lake and uh, Nellis testing of the u2 that's where it was done um these uh balloons that were overflying and doing the surveillance um was extremely uh tricky work uh in a political sense as well as a military sense and i think anybody would have said anything to uh to cover that up yep. in any way possible. and that's what they did and that's exactly what they did um so hey listen can we please give a round of applause to lois lane so i don't have to do it in post please Please. Okay, thank you. Very thank much. you very much. Uh, the cat is in here clapping. The kitten is up here. She saw me clapping, so she's clapping. Thank you, Lois. Aww. Thank you, Lois. You're welcome. I know Lois You're isn't a cat welcome. person, so she's just being nice. Okay, and um, we'll see you soon. You know, fly well, away when, in your when, little wings. It was fun. It's always nice to hear from you all. Is it really? Oh, Bye, Lois. Nice Hopefully your flight plan has you coming by sometime up here at the compound. Sometimes, oh. Mrs. Cobra would love to see you again. Wow. Once it's safe to be out again. Oh, we don't talk about that. Thank you, Lois. <laughs> and we will not talk you soon, okay? Bye, right. guys. Bye, Lois. Bye. Be good. Wow. Be good. Wow. So uh, that was interesting. And uh, it's yeah. just in time for a commercial break now. You're listening to Max Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Um, JJ is here. Coco's here. Switch is here. Switch, can you tell us what you had for breakfast in 15 seconds? Anything good? A heaping bowl of sugar-frosted flakes. Ooh, okay. Heaping. Just the plain, the vintage ones, no marshmallows, right? Oh, God, no. Uh, oh, with 2% right. milk and yeah. a, uh, several cups of hot black coffee. Drink mm. like a man. Okay, Switchy, we're proud of you. Um, so uh, we'll be right back after this. British Secret Service. Hello, Money Penny. Hello, 007. How's your mission to steal the secret sex formula from Dr. No No going? It would be going fine, except for the two idiots headquarters shent with me. Hey, Mac, did Defolo Crumpets just call us idiots? Yes, he did, one one. He's an ungrateful putz. Nice car, though. Yeah, and you know what? Now it's my turn to drive. But if you drive, what am I going to do? I'll drive. You shoot the machine guns, okay? No way, I'm You're driving. driving too, not. Just a license for you, and I'm driving. Oh, see what I mean, Money Penny? But, James, we have to get the stolen formula from Dr. No-No before the big two-for-one sale. I'm on it, Money Penny, but I've got to rid myself of these two marshmallows first. What, what, huh? I still have the red button, don't I? James, not the red oh, button. save us! <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. And you, Mr. Bond. Oh, my God. Is that Commander Cobra? Jumping from a helicopter through the shadow roof of my Ashton Martin? Well played, Cobra. But what are you doing here? Besides rescuing my two friends, James, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to steal the cardio sex formula from Dr. No-No. All you have to do is go online and order it yourself. Then you'll have plenty of the new energy drink that can give you the extra endurance you need to get through your daily workout. Please, Cobra, tell us why it's called sex. 
It's called SCX for Strength Energy Accelerator. And it's easy to use. Just mix a scoop with water, shaken, not stirred. 30 minutes before you start your workout and you'll find you can last longer and feel all around better about finishing your regime. Oh my. And the mix comes in many different flavors. My favorite is passion fruit. Mine too. Why you little trollop. Hey, Mac, look at all these buttons. I wonder what they do. I don't know. Push one and find out. Not, not, not the, the big red, red one. No. Jeez, I hope he's wearing his rocket belt. Guess not. That's SEX Workout Dietary Supplement. Available only through Cardillo USA. Visit CardilloUSA.com for more details about our big two-for-one sale. That's C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O-U-S-A.com. And get some sex today. And I just kept going on and on about myself. I'm taking a leak in the driveway. He says, I know you'd like to talk to total stranger. The story's got nothing to do with the Bruins game. It's what happened with Grandma. Well, I was wondering if those were sadomasochism straps or something. <laughs> but I digress uh, from what I don't know. Get into the beautiful mind of Juan Juan, only on the Mac Maloney Military X-Files show. Hello, this is Nurse Kayla. And if you don't want me to hit you with my spoon then you better listen to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac. show here on the distant thunder radio network this is back morning wow what a show we've had so far tonight we still got a way to go girls uh the very famous Juan Juan is here hello max still hello here. girls okay we're your shades there brother show. put on your shades do we have a, a, an audience turnover during the show like after hour number one and hour number two there's a difference of uh, i'm sure i'm yeah. sure where are your the shades there? Listening uh, th- audience. This is more important. Where are your sunglasses? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> You've got to be in uniform there. Yeah, I was reading something, you know. Oh, really? Okay. There you go. How's that? Uh, sounds good. Looks good. Uh, also, apparently someone who's also reading something. No, I'll go to Coco. For Coco, thank you for joining us. You're up there in your bunker in the great state of Maine. Always a pleasure to be uh, on the wing and join the formation. Now, this is your third costume change from keeping score? No, no, two. We had the small animal incident on the first floor that I had to respond to on the break. Okay. But you also had a large animal incident at your front door, correct? Well, that was all connected. Uh, I (laughs) believe Teddy the horse wanted to know why the cats and dog were entertaining the chipmunk and he wasn't invited. So he... Found an open gate from Mrs. CC and came up to the back door. Wow. Okay. You could do a reality show up there. It could. It, it, uh, I tell you, but it I would be it. Uh, laced with profanity uh, that better. you could not believe. I could make uh, Mr. Stern learn a thing or two because <laughs> really? Mr. Stern, the Howard Stern of his talents, has not uh, delved into the world of goats, who, again, this week live rent free in my reptile brain. 
You could name it Animal <laughs> Farm. Animal Farm. There you go. That's not been no, taken. No infringement, no trademark issues there. Thanks, Witch. I'll, I'll, I'll get the people, lawyers right on it. Uh, uh, Cobra, people don't read books anymore. That's right. They listen to them. Uh, that the voice right you books. hear is uh, books you speak of. Switchblade Steve Ward. Uh, up there in the Great to be here. Michigan. There you go. Uh, two sausages, two waffles into the day, correct? Uh, yeah, sausage patties. Sausage patties. You know, not links. Oh, okay. And, All right. Uh, yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Jimmy Dean, you know, microwave sausage. Jimmy Dean. Okay. And, Jimmy Dean's yep. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ego. I think it was Ego. Uh, waffles. Yep. Ego is very good. Yeah, Kellogg's made by Kellogg's. Let me just uh, introduce our special guest uh, now that we're talking about food. Uh, the very lovely Lois Lane is in the studio with us tonight. This is rare. Lois. Oh, do you like Eggo waffles during the show? Are you a fan of Eggo waffles? She makes or? cupcakes to die for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lois, yes, she does. And and she serves donuts on the uh, on the deck uh, in the morning on a on a beautiful day. She does. Uh, yes, yeah, that's right. Well, oh. to special guests. Almost a year ago. Yes, <laughs> she's very special guests. Not you, yeah, Juan. Sleep apparently. over again. Luckily, that frostbite will heal up quickly in the warm temperatures. Uh, Juan, Juan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. A right, quick question for everybody here, because yes. yep. uh, we have a uh, northern tier kind of crowd here tonight. Who remembers this time of year? Waffles for dinner. I eat waffles for dinner all the time. Oh, we would have well, waffles yeah, and pancakes yeah, for dinner, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, when we were kids. Yeah. Ice cream on top of it. And didn't Definitely. you think as a kid you were getting over on it? Like, wow, we're having dessert. It's like dessert for, for dinner. dinner. You know, yeah, you like, exactly. you don't say anything at the table because yeah. your folks haven't figured it out it's that like they're a, serving dessert for Friday dinner. Friday or Saturday but of night. course, with the fried, uh, deep fried Twinkie and uh, Oreo set, I'm probably not even scratching the surface here. Hey, listen, get a fried, get a deep fried Twinkie and get back to me, okay? Because they melt in your friggin' mouth. I'm not kidding you. You anyway. can go to the uh, the Fiesta Show's uh, food booths yes. and have nothing but dessert for dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and just be happy with it. Where is this you, place? You, you get a sugar letdown like crazy, but boom. Where is this? Love it. Where? Well, JJ, any where? Of those, any of the if the carnivals uh, oh oh some reopen. yeah uh, like a carnival oh, shows yeah. they're in the carnival well business. that's this place in, portable in, carnivals in this Salisbury uh, thing we were talking yeah. about off air very regional you can go to each each booth you you order right. ahead and they bring the stuff out to your car if you can believe it all right they do they bring yeah. bring yeah. out your car yeah yeah wow. absolutely uh, uh, now uh, out this way when you go to various shows one of the vendors often uh, it will be uh, a, a variety of Mackinac Island fudge. Okay, and that is uh, what's the difference? Like ribose fudge or or Murdoch's or whatever. Yeah, yeah, good Mm. stuff, man. Is there any difference between, you know, California fudge, Massachusetts fudge? Well, at Mackinac Island, which is in the Straits of Mackinac, uh, near near the Mackinac Bridge, is known for their fudge. So this is this is the uh, Mm. the absolute uh, top. Can you send us some with a crinkle? I mean, a crinkle. I thought he was talking about a monster or something. You know, the crinkle from beneath the sea. Crinkle. (laughs) Think of a crack. Crinkle pastry. It's it's a Wisconsin uh, favorite, mm-hmm. but you know what? My friend that you speak of, she yes. never heard of him, and she basically grew up in Wisconsin. I know she's from Minnesota, There's but she something grew up wrong in Wisconsin. There. I'm going to quickly tell the story that I had about, um, and I have a witness here about sneaking popcorn into a movie theater. Okay. We've had a few requests for this, so uh, I was on a date with Lois, and. Um, we we're going to see some movie, and I just—I'm not going to pay nine bucks for the bag of popcorn, because we had just recently found out that to make a bag of popcorn costs two cents, and the bag costs 
Four. Okay. All right. Four <laughs> cents. All right. Because we know a guy at the theater, she does. So we said, listen, let's stop at the variety store, get two big bags of the cheese popcorn, put it on sure. the and walk in. It's fine. Right. Yep. So we do that. And, um, and they cost 99 cents each and a lot of candy bars. So I have this, it's winter. And I, I I have my coat on and I and I, I realized that the bags of popcorn are a little bit too big. I'm gonna look funny walking in. What kind of a coat did you have on? It's like a way. long kind of winter coat. Like right? a trench coat, right? Was it a trench coat? Yeah, like a zip up winter coat. Like you'd shovel yeah. snow in, you know? Okay. But it looked too weird. It, it, it I didn't plan this up. So I thought, well, I'll let go ahead, Lois. Fill in, please. It was it was not so much that it looked weird as much as um, the zipper, you know, it, it was obvious that we were bringing S- something. Sneaking in. stuff in, okay. So, <laughs> we? so did you t- have a mouse in your pocket? It's a real cold morning? day, too. So I said, well, I'll just let the air out of the bag. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. And it will compress, right? So, yes. so we're doing this as we're walking in. Oh, so I go, I, okay. and I bet stealthily. Boom. I bet you and are an image of There's people the all around us. It exploded in popcorn all around with, us. Right? With the yeah. Pink Panther music in the background. Exploded. Right? Literally exploded. It just, right? And there's popcorn everywhere. There's dozens of people around. Okay? And we're like, whoa. But here's the punchline. What happens is a flock of seagulls come down and start eating the popcorn in front of them. People are running. Oy. Didn't that, that happen, Lois? Correct? Oh, you can't make it up. It absolutely happened. I just walked in and said, two tickets, please. You know, I got seagull shit all over me. <laughs> so to the be box cool. office was outdoors. No, it was indoors. We're going was as, indoors. Where the seagulls come from? They were waiting. Out. It's just, this is Cinemagic and Salisbury. As we're going in the oh, front okay, door. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. We were walking We're in. walking in. And yeah, psh, okay. Yeah, it was a physics thing. And I think it was like, you know, 10 degrees out. It was uh, kind of weird. Anyway. You know, Mac, you bring up an interesting thing. I always thought as a kid that when you went to the theater and you looked at the candy in that showcase that yes. they had, yes. and then if you ever went to a jewelry store, the, 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 and then you look at the prices of the two and it kind of aligns. Yeah, you right. Know? Oh, yep. you know, you know, you, you come with big bucks if you're going to stop there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I, I remember guys, because mine was the Granada Theater in Malden. Oh yeah, oh, I know it. Okay. Yeah, you, you did. You I did saw some a hard day's night opening day. A hard day's night at the Granada, right? Well, you know, then they the had the upper. They had the upper uh, the balcony. balcony area, yep. and then they closed that off and made two theater screens out of it. But we had guys. It was a. Yeah. It was an absolute art form. You could bring in six, nine Coca Colas inside your jacket. Yeah, cool. Another guy would have like all the candy bars, and you know. You can only imagine what the cleaning guy must have they thought him when he candy. got to this one spot, yeah, because right. there had to be about eight bucks in returnables by the time we were done. <laughs> you know, we would just have that thing completely decked out, yeah. and it got to the point like you weren't even talking quiet. You know, you, it, it was like a yeah. beach party. You oh, know, hey, you get an extra coke? Yeah, yeah, here you go. Here, no problem. You know? <laughs> oh man, stuff lined oh. up in the coats, and it was always my dad's. Uh, field jacket that was like you know with the, with the 12 pockets cool. and the inside parts of it put the collar up and no one was going to well, bother nice. you with the collar put yeah, the, yeah. you know the stocking cap the watch cap down to your eyeball and in you go and well, of course that led to other uh enterprises uh but we won't go into that now. remember What's that sad piece? is that nobody cares that now about that hey, about what well, let me read the line to you that just someone sent me while we were doing the show. Okay. Because uh, I think it really, really sums up where, where we are. 
Uh, let's see. J. L. P. Hartley did in his immortal opening sentence of his novel, The Go Between. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. <laughs> That's us, boys exactly. and girl. That's us. That's us. <laughs> on the air. Anyway, hey, listen, why don't we do this? I, I remember the sign. It said, no outside food uh, on the premises. <laughs> hey, do you remember when they started checking, uh, like, your yeah, uh, girlfriend they, or wife's purse? Yeah, they and they kind of looked you over there. It, oh. it wasn't quite an airport uh, you know, check, but it was getting pretty close. It wasn't a date. TSA strip down, but it's pretty close to it. <laughs> you ever see that? Remember the Three Stooges where they're on each other's shoulders and they're walking and they look like yeah, yeah that's how I felt. Like. That's what I looked like going in with the popcorn. <clears throat> but anyway, let's talk. Oh, they're trying to get in. They're trying to get into this thing, and they they went into the men's room and they pull out the the knobs that say press. <laughs> press, so press, pull. Wow, now we're now we're talking Stooges. Where? How do we get that? How do we get here? Cobra started it. I really like the side. Right All I asked is if you guys remember having waffles for dinner. That's it. That's what started us down this path. Okay. And then we end up at the Cinemagic. There's like a scene from Hitchcock Hawkeye, with the birds. Seagulls. I mean, okay. it was it, it was a great ride. Better stop. The next stop is the Marx Brothers. So there you go. Better, they were yeah. great. Night at the Opera. The Opera. Yep. This day at the races. Uh, duck soup. Duck soup. Hey, and, and, and you want a Dr. Hack in the bush? You get a Dr. Hack in the bush. <laughs> Favorite restaurant up here in Farmington, they have uh, Farmer's Kitchen. They have oh, stuffed go. waffles and stuffed French toast. Wow. What are they Eaten stuffing there with? Many times. What are they Eaten stuffing with? Times. It's kind of like a, a an egg. It's sort of like a, an eggs Benedict kind of a composition. Uh, You're me. Lots of cheesy, eggy stuff. Mrs. That, Cobra uh, does the French toast stuffed with a cream cheese, which is oh and, uh, another sauce. It's quite tasty. Yeah, I, there you go. I, I eat a half a slice of bread for breakfast. What are you guys doing with the waffle? <laughs> Come on. Well, I'm, I'm kind of the same thing, Mac. I mean, I, if you, I don't eat that uh, on a on a regular <laughs> basis. Right. But I know In the fact, J- I am doing very well on the weight loss. Oh, really? Almost, yeah. Almost a goal. Almost a goal. Almost a goal. Why? Why? You don't look like you need to lose weight. Did someone tell it? Um, yeah, I I've, I want to be two twenty or less. So, hovering um, hovering right at two twenty two. Man, I want to be buff like you, Cobra. I really do. We all do. Get yourself some goats, buddy. Go back like, to getting uh, goats. Okay? You're like Is Hugh that Jackman. the secret? <laughs> You're buff like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hey, you should start the goat yoga there. Oh yeah, Cocoa. yeah. Dude, the problem with goat yoga for me, oh, and I have enjoyed the uh, the 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 stimulating and muscle relaxing tipper tapper of their little cloven hoofs on my back <laughs> many times but the problem is is that when they get parked on me they like to stop and have a pee and that's the next level well, of yeah, goat yeah. yoga that I'm some not people are into so, that that's, that's i know there's love. a lot of people into it but i'm not one of them Matt. okay all right well this, this, you have still, to be still still time. Have to be, that's the point you have to be one of the men that stares at goats there you, there go. you go how to, how to <laughs> leave it a switch and bring it back around listen Let's talk about green fireballs. I mean, why not, right? Not the candy, kids. Not, not the, the candy. candy. Now, now, this is something that I've heard about, you know, since I was a kid, but I never really kind of looked into it. But this is very, very strange stuff, okay? This is a real, like, military X-Files. So this is what happened. If you can imagine in the late 40s, early 50s, the U.S. is testing nuclear weapons. They're testing the size of nuclear weapons, and they're also very interested in what happens to the radioactivity after something is exploded. And, and, and how dangerous is it? So um, a number of these tests were done in uh, what's called the Nevada Test Range, which is north of Las Vegas, big open desert. It's where Area 51 
eventually wound up. And also down in Los Alamos, New Mexico, um, where a lot of the technical stuff was done. That's where the first atomic bomb was exploded, so on and so forth. Now, in the 50s, they have these huge weapons, but they're not really sure of all the things they can do, you know, good, bad, whatever. So they're doing these tests. Now, um, they, did the, they did this one test. What, what would happen is, generally speaking, is that when, when they would do a test and the mushroom cloud would basically rise into the atmosphere and the radioactive cloud would either go west, south, whatever, um, and they would follow that. All but by the way, Mac, let's let's give them the name of like one. Uh, they, they had really bizarre names for yes. these tests. Yeah. One of them was the Buster Easy yeah, Buster, Atomic Test, Buster November Easy. 5th, 51. Right? What is that, you know? And, and there was stuff like Danger Able and stuff. That they, they gave them kind of kooky names. So they, so, so they were interested like in the explosion, but also where the radioactivity went, how, how, how potent it was 100 miles, 500 miles away. So... But then these green fireballs start showing up. Now, they didn't show up over the explosions themselves, which in a way might have made sense. But they showed up in the radioactivity cloud a day later, a few hours later, a day later. It was almost as if they were studying the radioactivity, the radioactive cloud. Now, just to describe these things, they were literally green fireballs, and a uh, pilot in a Pioneer airline from years and years and years ago, he said he described one. He said, if you can imagine something the size of a softball, so green that it's almost blinding, heading right for you at tremendous speed, that's what these things look like. Um, some people thought when they saw them that they were meteorites, but the thing is they flew horizontally. Okay, um, they, and, and once again, they would show up in these showers not where the explosion happened, but where the radioactive cloud wound up 12 hours, 24 hours later. No one ever figured out what they were. Um, no one has – this happened in the 50s. No one has come forth and said, hey, I worked on this program. The, now, the, 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 the scientists at Los Alamos – and Switch, jump in here anytime you want. The, the scientists there thought that they might be some kind of secret surveillance device – that is measuring radioactivity. But as some person had interviewed them or talked to them, they said, well, we'd be the guys who would have that. We'd be the guys who would want that information, you know, how lethal is the radioactive cloud and so on and so forth. But they said there it was wasn't a, us. There was another, uh, when they were talking about it, that was actually Captain Edward Ruppelt, who was, the, of course, the head of Project Blue Book for a while. He, he actually revealed in uh, the report on Unidentified Flying Objects that he was talking to some of these scientists. It was kind of an informal uh, discussion. And, you know, a lot they went through, like you said, the, uh, the standard, like, well, maybe it's some kind of natural phenomenon or whatever. Uh, but uh, some of them actually privately said that they actually thought, these are, these are scientists from Los Alamos, that these could be, there could be some kind of an extraterrestrial craft mm -hmm. hundreds of miles uh, around the Earth. In orbit. And that, that these were sending down these sort of test they didn't say drones or whatever, but test craft down in these green. They actually consider the possibility right. these might be extraterrestrial. This is the, now. These are the the the, the, the uh, Los Alamos scientists talking to Rupert, who was running Project Blue Book at the time. You know, they probably figured, well, this guy. You know, if we're going to tell anyone, we'll tell this guy. But the the thing is, is like they they give an in, they give a um, an example, and it was that what was it Buster Easy? Was that the 
Yeah, the, that was that was the one on November fifth, nineteen fifty one, eight thirty a.m. Wow! And okay. uh, it was uh, it, this one even came to the attention of the New York Times. It said because they they saw several of these fireballs. It says Southwest's seven fireballs in eleven days without parallel in history. Mm-hmm. See, someone oh. these you know these people knew that. Um, um, Meteorites, which uh, what a lot of people thought these things were, um, actually fall on the Earth. We were talking about this on the way up, uh, and uh, not on a regular basis, but they're predictable. You know, you go through meteor showers and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's going to be a lot of meteors in July, not that many in November, whatever. But by average, five meteors meteorites fall on the U.S. every month across the U.S. Okay. Mm. Uh, people would see seven, eight of these things in, in, in 24 hours. So they couldn't have been meteorites because the, some scientists said if meteorites are dropping on us that, you know, that often, you know, they're, they're going to bombard us out of, you know, um, they'll destroy the earth if it keeps on going. There was actually a, a Dr. Lincoln LaPaz who uh, he was a meteor expert at the University of New Mexico. And uh, he had uh, he'd actually seen, witnessed some of these. And he said, look, there's no way this is a natural phenomenon. There are not meteors. And he thought that at that time that perhaps the military had some kind of a secret project or they might even be some kind of a, a secret Soviet spy device. Mm-hmm. But th- there's no way the Soviets had that kind of technology back then, you know. And in 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 what you know, it seemed like they were doing some kind of research. Let's say, you know, it seemed like they were th- they were doing some kind of scientific study. But that if you can sit down with uh, the but the, the unusual thing was that the witnesses for these uh, are these kind of scientists, these atomic scientists. All right, they're not you know some Joe on the street, and they were convinced it was someone else. But once again, they said, well, if it's someone else, why aren't they telling us that we're the people who should know, uh, you know, about the after effects of an, of an explosion? And now here's the weird thing to me is that not only did, they sh- did these fireballs show up, over, you know, over radioactive clouds, but they showed up over Sandia uh, National Laboratories. They showed up over places where atomic weapons were stored and where atomic weapons were manufactured. That's very odd. And uh, switch, correct me if I'm wrong. They never found that they were like the um, ghost rockets. They never found anything no, on the ground. And, or, you know. and, and they followed the, the like you said. The, the key was that they would follow these clouds, uh, which is kind of scary. The, these radioactive clouds are going over different, different parts of the U.S. There was, a, by the way, there was a guy named uh, Professor Ernest J. Steinglass of Pittsburgh University. He was a uh, professor of radiation physics. He believed that. Uh, that there was the strontium 90 that when these clouds would go over certain areas of the US you could find uh the number of infant deaths would arise would arise mm. slightly with the uh, with these clouds going over and they would dissipate in the same way we know radiation to dissipate but they had something like uh 50 uh, stations to detect the fallout. So they really knew where this stuff was going. Mm-hmm. And it is really strange that that's predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly where these green fireballs would show up afterwards, following the fallout clouds, the radio- right. radioactive clouds. I think it was in uh, the New York Times or someone, what they did is they they looked at one of these tests, and um, which happened in Nevada, and the winds were blowing from the west. So they detonate the bomb, and the cloud goes down to Arizona, and then it goes down to um, southern New Mexico, northern Mexico, and west Texas, okay, that area, right? That's where the cloud went. The next day, 
where do you think green fireballs were seen? In those areas. You know, so it really does seem like they're dropping something into the cloud, you know, to but but who? You know, who did it? And the fact that they showed up over these manufacturing sites, they showed up over the research sites, no one has ever come forward and said, We did this, you know, no one has ever come forward with any kind of an explanation. They don't drop to the ground or anything, these fireballs. They never see them. Kinda, they don't have not, any trail. Not that they could ever find. Right. Uh, there was a series of sightings that happened in uh, in uh, Australia and New Zealand. And Dr. Stephen Hughes, uh, who is a meteorologist and an atmospheric physicist, uh, was really uh, triggered by these things. And his theory is, is that it's uh, a form of electrified air. Um would, but it includes things like antimatter, light bubbles, mm-hmm. microwaves, uh, interference, oh, fried um, Twinkies, yeah, all those, <laughs> all those things added in there. But if you think about that, it, that would fit when you have these atomic detonations, these surface detonations that they were doing in the, in the fifties. The interesting part is I've never seen anybody talk about these with the Pacific tests. Um, yeah. they've never talked about when they were over water. And I would think that, that, you know, if this was something that was connected should, with it, we should just say that also, we should just say that ahead. that's where they detonated the first, that's where the, they had the first atomic bomb tests out in the Pacific. That's no, what, no. The first atomic bomb test was in New Mexico, Almogordo. That's, okay. uh, that's, that's right. where they did all of it. We, the hydrogen bomb was ch- uh, tested, um, in the bikini atolls. Yes. I was going to say. That's and they took all the ships, you know, that were being decommissioned. They wanted to study what was going to happen that's into uh, detonations at sea um, and what was going to, to uh, occur to the ships. And, of course, if you go back to some of the, the films of the 50s, there were troops actually in hmm. uh, foxholes on some of the later detonations in New Mexico. Tell us what happens. And, and after the explosion, they the whistle would blow and they were told to run towards the uh, – now, I mean, they were quite a ways away. You, you would never obviously survive. The, run towards uh, the cloud. Run towards the cloud. Yeah, run towards where the light was. What could go wrong? Um, and uh, there was a huge amount of uh, radioactive uh, poisoning that occurred. And, you know, it was a, another huge problem uh, for veterans uh, mm-hmm. to, to combat that years later. Right. So uh, it's interesting that, Mac, do you remember that film I sent you about a year ago of the guy that captured ball lightning? Uh, you were f- completely, as me, just freaked out. It, yes. it, it shows a guy at a railway station and like in Germany, mm-hmm. and it comes down and it goes across the, the road that is by mm-hmm. the tracks, and it moves all around, mm-hmm. and the guy's talking a mile a minute. I, I, I can't believe he could keep his hands that steady. Yeah, um, well, And it was this phenomenon of ball lightning. But oh, this yeah. particular aspect of the green fireball is pretty interesting stuff. And I tend to think that there is uh, no, not one answer fits all for all occasions on this. Well, you know, I was going to bring I was going to mention that that's where we get the word bikini from is that's where they did atomic right. tests out in the bikini at all, as it turns out. But um, what? yeah, that's where it comes from. But, you know, it, that's interesting because there was never any report of these things over those tests. And I've never heard anything like from Russia or any of the countries who have exploded atom bombs. But, but once again, you know, I know that there are, I know you keep some secrets forever. There are some military top secrets from World War One, believe it or not, that cannot be revealed. And supposedly they have to do with codes and stuff like that. They don't want right. out. But, you know, I mean, if we had some kind of a, 
Well, once again, the strange thing about these things, they had no trail. They had no, they were fireballs. They looked like they were on fire, but they didn't leave a smoky trail, which mm. is odd. And they flew horizontally, which which was odd. But And there's no consumption of anything around it, meaning you don't hear, uh, there's not a lot of talk no of like crackling sounds. No noise. It doesn't seem to be interacting uh, with uh, oxygen. Didn't they, uh, um, didn't they affect TV though, uh, Switch? Did I read that? They affect yeah, TV I, and radio? You know, I some, didn't, didn't recall that. Yeah, something uh, like that. There was some kind of interference and everything. But so, so let's say you know the U.S. had some kind of whiz bang thing that could, for some reason, fly through radioactive clouds and take measurements. Wouldn't we know about it seventy years ago? Who cares about something what, like that? What's the connection with the tests? Is it something the tests inadvertently created, or did we create it afterwards? Here, here's the name of another uh, another one of these uh, explosions, these bombs, uh, yeah, Operation. Tumbler Snapper Shot Able, April 1st, 1952. Yeah. And this debris cloud moved to the east over the uh, central plain states, including North Texas. Uh, the Denton Record Chronicle, uh, their, their headline was Meteor or Flying Saucer, Fiery Fast Moving Objects Sighted Over Skies in Texas. And they estimated it going about 800 miles per hour. Yeah, that's pretty fast. Faster than the speed of sound. So, you know, boom. So- let me leave you with this last part from this Dr. Hughes, who I thought had some pretty interesting part. Okay. He, he talks about it that anything that shoots to the atmosphere like a meteor would be creating a conductive pathway from the ionosphere, a whole ocean of plasma above the earth down to the ground, and the air becomes electrified. Okay. And he goes on to say, and it, it makes – do the ionized oxygen, which accounts for the striking greens of the aurora borealis, okay. and also yep. be the uh, australis as well also known as the Northern and Southern Lights. Now, that is a pretty crazy phenomenon, if you've ever seen it, yep. uh, up in the Northern uh, and ultimately the Southern latitudes, to watch the sky what it does. But it's still not balls. It's, no. It's not, <laughs> it's not these That's you know, what she said. moving hard. It, it's obvious that this is a, a very uh, you know large, uh, in the air, high in the atmosphere, connected kind of I uh, reaction. I, I want to ask Lois something. Lois, did you ever see the Aurora Borealis? No, but the, as you were talking and saying that there are green flashes, yes, I mean, green balls, I thought of the green flash at sure. sunset. You know, and I, it's interesting that it's green mm-hmm. and the green shows up at sunset at certain, when certain atmospheric mm-hmm. conditions allow that. Um, so they're not so necessarily green. Some kind of reaction. Yeah. They don't have to be green. They're just... Oh, they don't. Mm. Yeah, that's Some strange. Some weren't, or they all were. They were all green. They're all green. But but if you were shooting something through the atmosphere, as Coco just said, it would be green. We've seen meteorites that are green. You know what I right. mean? You know? It's the ionization of the oxygen that's right. doing that. So, so these things aren't the necessarily color. have to be green. They're fireballs. But the thing is, like, they they move very fast. Now in the fifties. You would just, you know, you hadn't even broken the um, the sound barrier with jets yet, okay? I mean, a, a supersonic jet was, you know, on the table, let's say. These things are going 200 miles faster than the speed of sound, and that's that's pretty quick for horizontal flight. Yeah. And to bring this really onto the edge of the fringe, 
uh, at this time, when you look at the various contactees and the, the people that believed they were channeling the Space Brothers, like uh, George Van Tassel under Giant Rock yes. in uh, California, the messages they were getting, supposedly, from the Space Brothers was that these green fireballs were actually sent by the Space Brothers to counteract our radi radioactive experiments, or, yeah. our radioactive scare uh, us away. explosions. Scare us and that away. was it's interesting that they, they brought that up without ever, you know, they weren't really... Uh, people weren't necessarily making the connection between the fireballs, I think, and these at atomic tests. Explain at the, the uh, explain the Space Brothers. Who were they? Well, they were uh, the uh, in the 50s and 60s. You had a, a group of people like George Adamski and uh, Orfeo Angelusi that claimed they were in contact with people like uh, uh, Venusians. These we would call them the Nordics now nowadays. These these tall uh, sort of uh, uh, movie star looking uh, uh, entities Ooh. with long flowing hair and messages of peace, love, and brotherhood. Really, they would come in these these beautiful bell shaped craft. I always and, think of Mac when you say stuff like why? that. Why I was thinking I, of you. I, I was thinking the same thing. But uh, but also you had people that were uh, uh, supposedly channeling these entities where they didn't actually meet necessarily, but the uh, the channelers would their, their the timber of their voice would change they become deep and they would uh, start spewing all this uh, uh, sometimes mumbo jumbo sometimes oh, it would now I'm thinking a one one okay. But mumbo <laughs> jumbo. That's me. But, but they they would specifically would ask about these uh, green fireballs that were being seen at the time, and they were told more than one source. They were told that yes, they, these come from the space brothers, well, and they're trying to counteract the radiation, the radioactive fallout from these atomic. Well, tests. they failed in that for one thing, and 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 number two, if you see something in the New York Times, of course you're going to say if you're a space brother, you're going to want to jump on it, you know. Of course, they're going to say. Well, should, did they? Uh, are, are did, you, Mac, are you doubting the Space Brothers? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. Or the New York Times. Do you end that with a U? Oh, the New York Times. Take a pick. Okay. So, so, but you know what I mean? Like, if did they mention the green fireballs before anyone saw green fireballs? No, no, they were they were in, in response to people actually seeing them. They jumped on the way. The the most the the, the most intriguing thing is what Coco just said is that there was no reports of these at. You know, you know those specific tests, which they did a lot of testing out there. So that's very odd. You know, I mean, why not over the ocean? That's well, a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, so we I think we turned it into a Socratic one. Sorry about that, Matt. Okay, sorry. Still we haven't it. seen any of these fireballs since. No, right? they they kind of went away. I mean, people do see them, but uh, not in the this kind of regularity and the um, almost routine. These things showing up after a nuclear test, and then they did kind of go away. You know, so very strange, really, yeah. really odd. You know, not quite UFOs, not quite flying saucers, but and the fact no one has has ever come forward, no one has ever you know uncovered it in a Freedom of Information Act. Maybe we should try to do that, but in the fact that a lot of the witnesses were pilots and scientists themselves. Uh, makes it kind of intriguing. Hey, you're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Why don't we take a quick break now and calm down, and we'll be right back after this. Please stay tuned. Um, so how did you get involved? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, how did you get in? How did you get involved with? How did you get involved with uh, unidentified submerged objects? What what? You know, how did you start studying them and becoming an expert? I'm sorry. I'm, oh, God. It's just a sudden attack of coughing. 
I, uh, I've, I've been aviation all my life, and um, I, I went to the Academy of Aeronautics uh, for aircraft engineering. <coughs> I spent two years there, and um, so I, I've been metal. I, I know I know aircraft design, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, while I was going to school, I read uh, a lot of the books, the UFO books of the 50s. <coughs> <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, man. This thing just hit me like a bomb right now. <laughs> okay, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Yep. That's it, yeah. All they can tell you is that there's five other people in the room, and, and they came in on those same numbers, you know? Well, I don't know what I can tell you. I mean, you, you also said you sent me an email with your contact info. I never got it. All right, well, you, know, try, wait, you want to try it one more time? I didn't want to reschedule. You tell me. Okay, good. All right, I'll call you back. I'll be in touch. I'll be in touch there, dude. You, man. I'm sorry, Jill. But, you know, these people, you know, they're on my ass for two freaking weeks every day. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I got to go shopping. Will I be back? And then the guy can't get in, you know, with, with the numbers we give everyone else. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jill. I'm sorry for my language, okay? But I go through this every freaking week with these people. Jesus. Who's this, who's this guy we're talking about? Who the knows? Some guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he was talking not, to the right not, guy. It's not it was one of some, our regular guys. Hope it was the right guy. <laughs> and now it's time for Switchblade Steve. Steve. Listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax House Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. But first, let me introduce everyone who's here. The very famous Juan Juan is here, girls, if you're still with us. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Yeah. We're having a great time so far. Rocking the Rolling Ladies Stones. Ladies and gentlemen, so all ships at sea, welcome to the show. You're in a Rolling Stones mood? Is that the angle? I'm in a Wicked Stones mood today. Okay, yeah. last week you were in the, yep. you're in the uh, 50s beatnik uh, look. We were snapping our fingers at you instead of applauding, remember? Right, that was that's a good look. I'm gonna go back to that look probably next week. <laughs> it depends on your mood. I was playing the bongo drums. There you go. Is that what he was doing? That voice you heard. Oh, we're cocoa free tonight. I can't believe it. I know there's a missing part of the puzzle, and it's got to be him and his stories about his two female miniature horses and he, I miss him so. But I love those horses. Feeling uh, that's the problem. That was the problem with one of those parties. Switch. Is it a thousand piece puzzle or a twenty piece puzzle? That voice you hear is up, uh, National Congressman up there in Battle Creek, Michigan. Two egos to the world. Switchblade Steve Ward. Great to be here. Thanks. Good switching. You had a uh, you had a background of uh, Tony the Tiger earlier, right? That's true. Okay. Anything? Can you push a button and put them back up there? 
yeah, I think I can. Okay. Do I get a problem with his background now, Max? No, we have a story about Tony the Tiger. We all uh, love your background. Uh, also, joining us tonight is our security chief, Willie Club. How are you doing there, Willie? Hey, Mac. Great hey. to be here. Hi, everyone. Have we been out of line Hello, so far? Any uh, problems so far? Well, I'll let you know after the show. Okay, thank you. We'll await your report. Uh, also joining us is our good friend, Jill Hansen, out in Austin, Texas. Jill, how are you doing? Doing great, Mac. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. You're hanging in, right? You're hanging in with oh, us. Yeah, I'm yeah. hanging. Okay. okay. Yeah, can you tell appropriate yet, right? Yeah. Can you? No. Good. Can you tell yeah, the thing? Can you feel, tell the remotely. vibe? You're 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 a brain person. Can you feel the vibe of the show? Are you talking to me, Mac? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's a no. <laughs> So anyway. No, this yeah. Good one. This, this is this is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm having a great time. Mm, that's what they always say. Then we never hear from them again. Hold on. <laughs> Put my shades on. We got all the difference in the world. So anyway, Coco isn't with us tonight. He's on a secret mission, as it turns out. He's got a slew of secret missions coming up. He sent me a very very long email the other day. Did you see that? JJ? I did. I Man, couldn't make any sense. I, couldn't, out of I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he was talking about. I figured out no, that's between you and. That's between Cobra and Mac. I think I'll just uh, back off. This step my, away from well, this is my, my choice. I mean, it, it's you know he he'll tell me everything that's gone on with his day, and and from what I can understand, I don't know if he'll mind us telling us, but but he seems to be transporting VIPs or something from here to there. Is that the story uh, you got? Know. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you told a story about how I think you... I get I think I get CC'd and all that stuff, all that correspondence. Sometimes yeah. maybe I don't. Well, I was hoping you'd read it and then you know tell us. But no, <laughs> I read everything that that he sends. Out. I <laughs> I read all his dispatches and <laughs> then I say, okay, Tramps. I have to look in the big book and see which decoder ring I need to you to kidding. use for uh, 10 a.m. on a Saturday, uh, July, whatever. Right. That's how we like, did it in the old days. If you, if you drink your Ovaltine, you'll yeah, you'll have your Dakota ring. Well, oh, is that? Well, that way we brought in, uh, brought up the um, Dakota ring. Is the Ovaltine? It came as a free thing in Ovaltine. Mm -hmm. the Dakota ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you had to probably had to you know send uh, away for it. Proof of purchase seals. I love that stuff. Growing up, man, I just I got everything. I sent away for everything. You know, Dakota rings. Yeah. Uh, you name it. You know, I was the first one. And I used to send away for UFO catalogs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And one of them, one of them was labeled as unusual books catalog, Ooh. thinking it was going to be about UFOs and that okay, yeah. kind of thing. But they were they were very unusual books, and my, my parents decided that I didn't need share. To order oh, no. oh, were they adult <laughs> oriented? Share with us. They, what uh, were they? Apparently, yes. What were they, were they uh, adult books? Adult books? Is that what you're saying? It was, it was was a catalog for for uh, uh, unusual books. So, oh, okay. oh well, yeah. Anybody could have made that mistake. That's right, right. One one yeah. has made it several times. Right. He's told me anyway. Oh boy. So uh, so Jill, let's talk about you. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, okay. Here's here's where the fun begins, Joe. No, 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 no. You were a good sport to read the ten questions to Chris I, yeah. CIS agent. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna Great radio voice, very well read. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, very, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're going to sweeten that up a lot in post, but that's okay. It's fine. So, <laughs> in, in, now, how long have you been, you know, in the biz? Did I ask you that before? Um, Definitely not on this show. Uh, I've been in the biz. Uh, I've been on radio since 2014. Wow, huh? So, okay. when you were yes. a kid? When you were in high school? Years. Okay. All right. right, exactly, exactly. Okay, good, all right, yep. Junior, senior year of high school. And, 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 and there's a painting in back of you. What, the, what is that uh, painting? It looks like a um, nuclear bomb. This, 
is a piece of art by Frank Moth. Frank Moth. Um, yeah, one of my favorite. It's actually it's a huge drapery um, on my wall back there. Huh. You know, yeah. personally, you know, kind of far out there. Mm-hmm. You could kind of make of it what you will. Yeah. <laughs> really What's interesting in imagery. Is it a microwave it's oven? A, oven it's door a TV. It's a he's oh, okay. a TV for a head. So, oh, I see. He's yeah. a TV head. Okay. Yeah, you can make of that what you will. The talking heads. Um, and then, of course, brandy in one hand. You know, mm-hmm. smoking jacket, mm-hmm. house slippers. Wow, sounds like it, sounds like club. Sounds like club on a night uh, night at home. Club. Do you have a, do you have a smoking jacket? I would think that you would. Yeah, but I at this time of year. Oh, I there you go. Right okay, it is course. summer. Okay, all right, I understand. All right, do you have bedroom slippers that I can see? You know, probably a thousand bucks a pair. I have them on now. <laughs> there you go. All right, sweet. All right, club. <laughs> So, uh, so, in, in what got you interested in the first place, Jill? Did something happen to you when you were a kid, or something that made an impression on you that got you into interest in this? You're talking about topics, not necessarily radio. Is yeah, that correct? Well, yeah, like paranormal or whatever. The, yeah, yeah. The odd. Yeah. Um, basically, from the get, I came into this world a much different person than the people around me. I had lots of different experiences. Um, at a very young age, I lived. I grew up in a small town in Alaska and had the great fortune of growing up just up the street from a library, the public library. Yes. And I think even between the ages of six and eight, um, again, because this was the 70s, you know, free ranging wasn't a big issue. I would, when I had time on the weekends, I would go down to the library and just kind of park my butt there yes. and go to, I think it was called the mystery section. Okay. And, um, read up on a lot of the, the more anomalous research and experiences and found a lot of my own experiences there. Mm. And I think that that's probably the common thread is it started as kind of a self awareness journey yep. and yeah. And then it just, it's just become a passion of mine. Well, what I, just, is, um, I love, I'm what, sorry, Matt. What is your experience? I mean, what, what, what was the first experience that you had that, you know, kind of turned you in this direction did things happen to you like as a kid or whatever yeah yeah so in what i know now is that the house that i grew up in was haunted at the time i didn't really have the words for it um i wasn't aware you know yeah i didn't have the language to describe what was going on Mm -hmm. but basically at night i would watch shadow figures walking from what was my parents room to Mm -hmm. what we call the spare bedroom creepy and like that would just happen all night long shadow people and Shadow people. Yeah, that is creepy. I also that creeps me was, out, man. That would. Oh yeah, creep it was it was unsettling. Yeah. It was really unsettling. Okay. And I was afflicted with nightmares every night. Wow. wow. Sleep paralysis three really? to four times an evening. Hmm. Um, astral projection. I mm-hmm. I experienced that quite a bit. Uh, a lot of lucid dreaming. <laughs> lucid dreaming was kind of my escape outside of if I if I fell into a lucid dream, that kind of kept the that sleep paralysis at bay to a certain extent. Okay. Um, people should, we should, we should explain that lucid dreaming is, is, is this belief. And, and in a way I've done it unconsciously, mm-hmm. but you can control your dreams, right? It's not a belief. It, it, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can, it's, it's like being awake in a dream. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's different in, than waking life in that it, it's structured differently. Okay. If you want to describe it, like the physics is different. So for instance, one of, um, when I'm asked about lucid dreaming, one of the experiences that I kind of like to reflect upon, um, was, I think it was when I was in high school, I had this one experience through lucid dreaming where I woke up in a dream yes. and I decided that I was going to use that experience to kind of, to learn about this, this dreamscape. Okay. And within the dream, there were two rooms, there was a man and there was a book. 
Okay. And to the, I wanted basically to test that reality. And I wanted to see whether or not if I went from one room to the next room and then came back, if the man's face had changed. Okay. And then I also wanted to change, turn the pages of the book and see whether or not when I turned the page back, the same words existed or yes. the same symbols. I, I don't recall if they were words, but there were definitely symbols on the pages. Yes. And I remember scrutinizing the man's face, then walking to the other room and then coming back. And unfortunately, it's been long enough that I don't recall what the outcome of that was. But it just kind of, it's an example of the lucidity that you can have in these dreams. You can make very conscious, intentioned decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but Joe, can I ask you a question on that? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, for I, sure. I believe I'm having a lot of these lucid dreams now in the last year or so. Mm. You know, I, I'm able to, in my dream, change the, the, the people that are in it. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it's unbelievable. I've, I've been able to uh, actually change the dream from a negative. Yes. You know, people I didn't want in it to mm-hmm. people yep. that I was able to find. It's Absolutely, but I, it's, I, I guess that's what you call lucid. It's a kind of it's, it's kind of a strange feeling because I've had it too, where there's there, there's a point in a dream where it's kind of weird, but you not wake up, but you you're all of a sudden you're in the dream and you can as as Club said you can change things, you know, mm-hmm. and you can you can you you can kind of will things, but the the yes. thing that happens to me when I'm in a dream like that, it seems like there's two things that are always going on. Number one, I'm far from home and I can't get home. Okay, my car is broken. I've lost mm-hmm. my who knows. Okay, and the second thing is, I will say to some, uh, someone will give me a piece of paper with something written on it, and I'll try like hell in my dream to read the numbers, to read the words or whatever, and I can never do it. You know, but yeah. I know what you mean though. You can you can have a conversation with someone. And you go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really like this. Do it this way, or it's almost like you're directing it in a way, and it's strange. It it, it really and it doesn't happen to me very often. So, Club, it happens to you a lot? Yeah, it, it, in the last year or so, and I, I can't tell you when it, you know, what incident made it start, but in the last few years, I, I started having a lot of weird dreams. Hmm. And it's almost like I started fighting against it and, you know, willing that I could change the outcomes. Huh. And you know how when you wake up, you're in a, a, maybe you're falling or something, and you wake up before you land? land beforehand like that except now i can adjust it and i could be falling and then all of a sudden stop myself while i'm still <laughs> yeah. dreaming yeah and, and move on and it, it's uh but whatever it is i and i said geez what did i drink before i went to bed tonight Dude, the, it doesn't seem to have any difference. i was going to say is that that new irishman rye or something but you know yeah, no it, it, the, uh, oh, there's someone calling. But, you know, one thing that I have noticed in my dreams, okay, real real quick, is that um, I will have this uh, ability to fly, you know, and I know that's supposed to be very sexual, as it turns out, you know, but I'll have this same dream where I'm running down the street, and then I'll just basically lift my feet off the street and kind of, you know, not fly high or anything, but fly up near the trees or whatever, and people would see me, and then I would land, and it would be like no big deal, you know. But there was once where I was in this, I probably shouldn't tell this on the air, but I'm in this kind of lucid dream, and I, and I like became a peeping Tom. I was going up to people's windows and stuff and looking so in their bedrooms. I'm yeah. sure people use it It's crazy. Yeah, it was like nuts, man. No, it was you. I woke up and I go, <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa. I wonder who the hell that was. One what month. happened? Yeah. Yeah. Is so, there a book? Are you writing something on that? We'll see. You never say never. Say never. So, yeah, so it's strange. The dreaming is very strange. And... Mm. um 
and and it it just seems like um um I don't want to say I'm always frustrated in my dreams, but there's always kind of like a problem. You know what I mean? It's never like mm-hmm. strawberries and balloons ever, really. You know, does that yeah, mean I'm yeah. crazy? Or? No, no. I think I mean there's different types of dreams, right? And there that's definitely one of the types where um, the dream state or the dreamscape is a place where you can work out the things that are confusing you or that are weighing you down in, in the waking world. Yes. So it sounds like you have a lot of those. Uh, what? Say that again, please. <laughs> can, you, can you put that in? A, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't want to say I was. Go ahead, please. Say that again, please. So you mean about the three different types of dreams? Yeah, sure. Uh, what, okay. what my problem yeah. is. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I don't think that you have a problem. Oh, okay. I just think that you're utilizing that dream space yes. as a place to really work on whatever is, you know, weight weighing your mind down oh, during uh, your waking hours. Okay, yeah. It's All a right. good use of time. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I mean, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing it, but I know that there's this theory, and I've seen it, and it's worked for me, too. It doesn't have anything to do with dreaming. But, like, mm-hmm. it was this guy who was trying to come up with this math, solve this mathema- mathematical formula, if you can mm-hmm. believe these guys, are insanely into math, right? And he was trying to yeah. trying to prove some theorem that was 500 years ago. No one had proved before. And he says what he used to do is he'd work on it for 18 hours a day with the chalkboard. But he, he'd go, like, take a walk somewhere. He'd take a bike ride. He'd do something completely different. And he mm-hmm. said his mind would keep thinking of it. And he says all of a sudden the idea would come to him, okay? And I remember watching that, and I, I, I swear that has happened to me before. Take yeah. when you take your mind off of something that you're concentrating on, or you're looking for an you answer. Know, on, still running in the background. It, it just kind you of like. Know anything about dreams? You know what this? What a dream is all about. Yeah. They talk about different things, types of dreams. Like if you, when Max said he was flying, mm-hmm. generally that's supposed to be things are very good for you now. Very, oh. you're very successful. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Trying to interpret that. Um, you know, I I think there's definitely it's a multi-layered thing, right? Um, dreams are very symbolic, and we as human beings we're very complex, and we have different layers of symbology that that kind of inform our experience of the world. So we have a collective symbology, we have our own symbology that pretty much only makes sense to us. So knowing that aspect of dreams, honestly, um the you know dream symbology or decoding dreams it's never really been that much you know it hasn't really been an interest of mine except when Mm -hmm. i've had in the past maybe a really impactful dream Mm -hmm. so i'll wake up from a dream and it just stays with me and i don't know why i don't know what it means yes i'll kind of put some thought and some feeling into what that was all about but you know whether or not in a dream like having a dream dictionary you have a dream about a tomato what does the tomato mean wow you know it, I, that really hasn't ever interested me because it is kind of subjective. And um, I think it's, it's up to us to kind of feel through that, intuit through that and find out what that symbol means to us. But because my relationship to a is much different than the person next to me. That's right? But isn't it your mind kind of defragging? I, I, one, one, you should know this. Isn't it like kind of a defragging thing where it's like scattered pieces of stuff that look real? Well, I think, I think uh, some people's dreams, at least, at least with mine, is related to maybe what I've done that day or what I was thinking about that day. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a technician, Jill, and I think about problem solving. Yeah. Oh. How boring yeah. is that? Having a dream. Well, no, here's here's Gee. the thing about that. So I mentioned three different types of dreams. So I, dreaming has always been very important to me since I was young, 
And I've noticed that there are three general types of dreams that I have. And the dream that you're talking about, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it reminds me of the type of dream that I had during the period of time where I played Tetris a lot. So your mind is kind of fixated on a problem and it's, you're, you're, there's a, a tremendous output of, you know, energy your mind is putting out to, mm. towards the end of re resolving or dissolving this problem. And I know that in jobs past, when I've done the same thing in and out, in and out, um, it, I'll have dreams at night where I'm doing repetitive things. Like mm -hmm. I was in the fishing industry for a while and I remember having dreams of like counting halibut. <laughs> mm, wow. Wow. That's bad. And it was just because my, that was my day. Yep, my day right. was halibut on the table, filet, halibut on the table, filet, hauling fish. It was just like, that was wow. the cornerstone of that day's existence. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that as well, where your brain is just kind of like spinning its wheels on something right. that during the day you were very focused on. Right. Yeah. Right. So your brain is really not unplugged at that point, you know. It, no, it, it's never unplugged. Brain, uh, it's, it's that's never not unplugged. restful sleep. Your that's... brain needs a hobby. <laughs> or, or a break. <laughs> yeah, refocus, wow. okay. shift a little bit. Has anybody tried to remote view when you're in a lucid dream state? Uh, Joe McMonagle, one of the well-known uh, yes. military remote viewers, who was a gifted psychic and a gifted remote viewer, mm -hmm. when he was uh, lucid dreaming, he would actually remote view and he would get feedback. But oh, so yeah. I, I, I set myself up. There was a period of time where over a few years, I had a lot of lucid dreams. It, it doesn't happen so much anymore. Okay. But I was ready with a command and it, that was going to go somewhere. And so, and every time I did it, I would, would, regardless of what was going on in the dream, I would make the command, everything was kind of dark, and I would feel, have this illusion of movement, even though I wouldn't see anything. Okay. And then I would end up at the place, for example, what is it, Lake Vostok, that lake that's supposed to be underneath the uh, Antarctic? Well, I went there one time. Because okay. you wanted a, to? Because you wanted yes, to? Yes, yes, I made, I made the command. Okay, is, yeah. I went okay. to Mars one time. I went to Venus. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure this is just coming out of my uh, subconscious. But but it was, was really, you have that feeling of movement. And then I'm in this huge cavern. And I can see there's a, a, a body of water underneath. And I can tell it's water because hmm. there's just a slight reflection uh, on the movement of the water. Yeah. One time, I... I the command was to go deep inside the earth. And man, this is creepy. Oh. So I, I end up in what looks, looks like kind of a castle. And there's this lizard being, a <laughs> man, standing there in like Roman garb. Yeah, well, and it looks he's like real. the Gorn. Like the Gorn. And there's like, there's water on the floor. <laughs> and I can see the reflection of its face. Its eyes are like looking at me in this, this, this reflection. I thought, wow. And I think I know where that came from. I mean, I think it was from an old TV series or whatever. But this, this looked more realistic than the TV series. <clears throat> so I, I've done that several times and it goes the same pattern. Now it's probably, I'm probably not actually going anywhere. It's probably just coming out of my subconscious. Okay. I, I made the command to uh, one time uh, to to intercept with any craft or whatever that's orbiting the Earth. And so uh, all of a sudden, I, I have this feeling of movement. I'm in space. I look either down or up, and I see this classic flying saucer. And I usually uh, feel movement during these things. I'm moving from mm -hmm. left to right or up to down. Yep. And so I went through this craft, and I, I'm, I'm seeing the backs of two individuals at a control panel. Of course, it looked kind of like a 1950s uh spaceship yes. okay. and i just kind of float through and go down and then usually i'm at the very end of uh, uh I'm, I'm about ready to wake up anyway when when these things happen so it doesn't last very long Switch. but it's really uh i i, I wish i could you know uh, 
initiate more lucid dreaming just to kind of have fun with it. Switch, can I just ask you a question? Okay. Yes. And, and don't take this personally because you know we love you, man. Okay. But if you're no, giving. No, I do not do drugs. If, no, that was. Okay. Why would you say that? How dare you? You know, why in these commands are you are you saying, like, go to Antarctica and go to Mars and stuff? You, you, you He's can't, an you, adventurous soul. Yeah, but when you want to go. Who doesn't want to know what's under I, I, Antarctica? I should, I should be making commands to some place where I can get feedback to see if it really happened. But I don't care about that crap. You, I want, uh, like, like, like she said, I'm, I'm an adventurer. Mm. I want to go. I went to Venus one time. But this was a Venus that had, like, you know, with, with an ocean. And it was overcast. Wow. And it was so so bizarre. I, I think the command was to seek out life or something like that. It's Star so Trek, it's, uh, man. You're watching too much Star uh, Trek. That, but then, but, but then there was something underneath the waves. There was something that, be, that became aware of me okay. and started to come toward me. She, and I thought, okay, I'm going to wake up. I don't care if this is a dream or not. JJ, so save I just us. Got the hell out of there. Tell us about your lucid dreams, please, JJ. I, my lucid dreams yes. of uh, hanging out with Nancy Wilson. See the there, now we're back okay, on let's track. Let's go back to Venus. Let's go back to Venus. One one. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, go ahead. Go, Continue. Go. I don't want to take it away, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I ever go back to the same dream. I get up in the middle of the yeah. night. Me too. Oh, yes. all the time. I, I yeah. right back. If it's a good dream, I say, I want to yep. go back to that. Go right back and into it. You pick up where you left yeah. off, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. That's yeah. so weird. See, you know, when I always thought what's, that was. What's that phenomenon, Joe? Well, because, you, you know. pick up where uh, you left off. As one one always tell, you know, reminds me, I went to film school, and I always think that's because of film school, you know, because you would, you know, work for weeks on scripts and stuff, and you know, you'd take breaks and you'd come back or something crazy like that, you know, but. But you know, all my dreams, like real dreams like that, are really in segments. They're almost shot like movies, you know. And I and I'm kind of like in the movie. And there'll be breaks. I'll get up and take a, you know, whatever, and come back and go right back into the dream. It's the weirdest, yeah. weirdest thing. Yeah. So my take on that, and again, I'm not a sleep researcher by any stretch of the imagination, other than my own experience of it. And I would say that if you wake up and you go right back into the same dream. Once you go back to sleep, yep. you were never truly awake. There's different layers again mm -hmm. of consciousness when it comes to sleep. And I know this happened to me the other night. I had a, a horrible nightmare, horrible nightmare. Mm. And I had to stay up for two hours mm. to make sure that when I went back to sleep, I didn't revisit that same dream. Wow. Um, because I don't know my, in my experience, you might wake up in a weird, uh, part of the dream cycle your awareness doesn't really come to waking awareness mm -hmm. and so you just slip right back into that state and along with it that dream can you tell us what the nightmare was about or do you want to keep it to yourself oh god at this point i don't even i don't even recall the details of the dream i just remember the feeling of it mm -hmm. so typically the way it works is if when i have a dream like that um maybe for a few hours in the morning i'll remember the vivid details mm -hmm. and then it kind of just transitions into, you know, the the details, the the visuals of the dream fall away, yep. but I'll still be able to hold those emotions. Those emotions stick with me for a really long time. Right. Of being scared or being that type of thing? Yeah. I, typically with me, they're just like an ominous, evil kind of feeling when right. I have nightmares. Hmm. That okay. Yeah. So... Let me Who knows ask, what that's all about? Let me ask this before, <laughs> that's we, another show. before we take a break and, and get everyone else to ask a question. But let me ask you this, okay? Mm -hmm. How about romantic dreams? Do they mean anything? Um, 
Sure. I mean, again, remember there's different types of dreams. So you'd have, to, you'd have to tell me what context you're talking about. You'd have to tell me about the, the relationship of that person to you. Wow. Um, the feelings, like I've had many dreams where I've connected with someone, yes. um, it bonded to them in the dream. Yes. And then again, when I wake up that I, I still feel connected to that real person. Yep. Typically it's not even a real person oh, okay. um, or, or anyone I know. Oh. Um, but what I've noticed about those is it's helped me to um, kind of evolve my own relationship to myself, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Okay. And I'm not saying that it's simply a symbolic dream okay. because they could very well be astral plane experiences. I don't know. Right. Um, but romantic dreams, I would say, typically are probably more about your relationship with yourself oh. or helping you work through the way you relate to other people. If you have romantic dreams about someone who you knew, you know, mm-hmm. over a regular period of time, is that yeah. God trying to tell you something? Well, I mean, I, I, I trust my emotions and dreams hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of an odd dream. I, so to kind of, so when I was in college, I had this, very vivid dream about Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh, wow. And I woke up from that dream and I told my college roommate, I said, you just wait. You wait. This mm. man is a scumbag. And wow. I know it because of wow. the dream that I had about him. Yes. And come what, like 20 years later, yeah. well, lo and behold, the man did exactly to me what he did to those women really? in my dream. Wow. That's wow, wow. that's way out, man. And that's I knew, a, and I knew it yes. wasn't just like a oh, I shouldn't be thinking that way about Bill Cosby. It was an like I, it was real, and I knew it was real, and I knew who that man was. The Jello from that pudding. Dream. That's happened several times. Jello pudding. Did you like Bill Cosby before that? I mean, As a kid? Yeah, he was he. Of course, he was, I, I mean he was man, the all American guy, right? Yeah, he was the all American dad. A, comedian he yeah. was likable he was jovial yep. that show you know i mean yeah the, i i think i watched the cosby show every the week cosby show fail. was a huge huge show back in yeah the so 80s, going into I that guess? dream i had n- yeah. absolutely no yeah. reason to have thought anything remotely close to what i dreamed see here's the that, strange thing about people like that and i don't understand this mm-hmm. this doesn't have anything to do with dreams right but we've said this a million times bill cosby is a star Okay, Mm -hmm. if that's what he was into, you can go any place. I'm imagining you can go to any place in Hollywood, some bar, some fancy party, some cocktail party, and get people Mm -hmm. who are into the same thing. You know, I don't, I don't understand why you have to, you know, take advantage as he did, unless there's part of the thrill. I don't know, but you know, these stars that get in trouble with like that seems like there's Mm -hmm. an easier route to get to where you're going. Okay, let's ask a celebrity, Juan Juan. What do you say about that? Yeah. You've, you've had uh, female, uh, you know, fans. Um, Wait a second. Stalk you. Go ahead. Uh, or vice versa. I don't know if I want to go there, but okay. I think I get, to, you know, the dream stuff that I have is, it's it's like I wake up, I go, I got to get a life because a lot of my dreams are about some work experience. Yeah. And it's about. Yeah, you have to get a life. Yeah, the well, work. <laughs> Not the first problem solving. Yes. You know, on, on rare occasion, it might be about the client I'm working with if I'm in somebody's home. Oh, go there. Because I'm an IT guy and I'm in, sometimes in somebody's home. And, you know. It, and you have relationships. You've developed relationships with some of your long term customers. Yes. Yeah, in my head. 
No, not in your oh. head. I've seen I've seen the photos on your phone. What do you mean in your <laughs> head? But 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 it, it, let me ask you. And, and I feel for you because I'll tell you when I work for the big company with the two letters G and E. Yeah. I used to have dreams about like combined cycle gas turbines and large steam turbines. I mean, uh, every night. I'm it, sure. Told you, and it was just like I'd wake up and I'd go, oh my God, I'm doing this during the day. Now I'm doing it at night too. And I was like worn out. It was like I was working, you know, at night or something. I get it because I was in marketing. I was doing trade shows for three years and then, you know, have weird dreams about mm. a stupid trade show. Mm. Yeah, it's you know, strange. Like, oh, yeah. gee. I, you, know, you know what? I, Here's what happens, Joe. I'll have an experience where I'm doing a one-on-one in a trade show, oh. you know, pitching a product. Somebody that just walked in the booth. Go ahead. And uh, I'm not a salesperson. I'm, I'm I'm kind of marketing, but I'm really the tech for the trade show. Go ahead. To make sure everything's running. Yes. And I'll I'll pitch something, and then I'll replay it in my dream. I, said, oh, I should have said this. Have Male said or female? Who are you uh, pitching? Male well, or female? It's, it's typically female. I oh. was always <laughs> the, the people who who like run the booth. Let's put it that way. Like are in charge of the booth and say, "Hey, Warren, can you take you know talk to that young lady this over is... there? She seems to be interested." They say you. Some, over for some the reason, they always had me dialed in to um, talk to the the women who came in. Club is that your guys. profile of one one one? He should talk to the young women at any kind of gathering. <laughs> You're talking a security breach. Huh? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, all right. So, talk about security <laughs> breach. That's my comfort zone. <laughs> okay. What about those uh, those dreams you get into? These long meandering dreams, where you're trying to accomplish something or get somewhere, and it just mm. never happens. You can't do it. And yeah. It, it's like a maze or whatever, and it just goes on and on, and you never get done what you're trying to accomplish it's like fr- a frustrated like a frustrating yes. dream very you frustrating know? are you asking my opinion yes <laughs> no, no, you're the dream expert but sometimes you get to the point where finally you'll figure out and say oh this is just a stupid dream so then it, it doesn't yeah. it and then you wake up but but that's, you that's have a dream you know you, you're going to bed you're frustrated you can't get it and you wake up with a solution in your hand <laughs> Mm. Unfortunately, no. A what in this? Oh, people, oh, oh, oh. A lot of people. A lot of people focus yeah. on stuff. They say, if you you go, you sleep on it, you're going to wake up with a solution. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm not wired that way, unfortunately. I've never I mean, woken up with a solution. Uh, I don't I'll get sleep solutions. on it. Yeah. Came from right is the right. But right. right. happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. And what often happens? Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but if you say you're trying to learn something, yep. If you read, watch whatever your format of learning is before bed. Like go through it, read the book, read the chapter, watch the video and just kind of like sit with it for a second before you go into sleep. And you even don't even have to go into sleep with the intention of doing that. Somehow over the course of the evening in your sleep cycles, that information just kind of like trickles down, finds itself into the right spot so that when you wake up in the morning, it sorts itself out. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's strange. Yeah, yeah. But th- mm-hmm. that has ha- I understand. I've never got like any kind of an answer from a dream or anything like that. But I've yeah, I've woken up. But have you asked? Have you asked? I don't know. I, I, I always thought okay. <laughs> I thought Mac that you dream about content for your book, like you're hung up dream- on a no. certain chapter, no. or a certain sequence. Never. That's or... how I go to sleep. That's how I go to sleep. And what mm. should I do? Believe me, that's the <laughs> quickest way to go to sleep. Think about what you're writing about. But I've, I've never had any kind of um, someone come to me and dream and, and say, 
do this or this is the answer to this it but i've but i've had vivid dreams that i've i can remember two or three days later and they they say you can yeah. usually remember a dream until noon but you know i, I can have I, I know dreams i've had i can remember them from five years ten years ago well, and that's why they say if you want to have a dream practice, one of the crucial things you have to do is keep a dream journal. So mm-hmm. as soon as you break into waking consciousness, if you can still remember your dream, break open your journal, write everything you can remember down, wow. just get in the habit of doing that. Because when you start doing that over a long period of time, it actually helps you to retain that memory. Wow. So not only do you have the journal to reflect on when if you forget it, but it actually helps to improve your retention of those dream memories. Um, okay, Jill, I got the perfect perfect um, example of what you just said about a dream. Okay, dream. hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody should go to bed, especially if you're a musician in a great yes. rock and roll band. Just have a working tape recorder beside yes. you. I used to go to sleep to or music a, writer, a lot. Yeah, right. Lyricist. Yep. Music. Writers, absolutely. And in your dream, you can mm-hmm. be writing a riff. Oh, absolutely. Right. And not even something. you don't even have to be fully in the dream state or sleeping state. Right. That hypnagogic state mm-hmm. where you're shifting between waking and sleep, mm-hmm. that I think is one of the most potent creative spaces. I mean, you're awake, you pick up a guitar and you're doing something and then you go back to sleep, you're snoring and there's a tape proving what you did and then, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, 40, 42 minutes of snoring after that. So, this, I'm yeah. going to throw a uh, bone to uh, Juan Juan. In uh, Keith Richards' autobiography, That's amazing. Okay, what happened to him, now, now, whether you like the Rolling Stones or not, one of the greatest, most popular rock and roll songs is Satisfaction. Okay, That's what like really made them the superstars, and you know they've been like at it for 50 years. Keith Richards, the way he is, right? He was sitting there with a guitar and a tape, cassette and he he banged that out could not remember it for reasons we won't get into woke up the next morning and he had literally taped his dream he says that riff came to me in a dream i mean i don't remember doing it but as a bomb bomb but he didn't it's one of the greatest songs ever so that almost came to, you know what i mean it, it, it's it's almost like he was in another state when he came up with yeah. that yeah riff and it's famous it's a, it's a yeah it's very much like a trance state Right, and Paul McCartney said he wrote yesterday in his dream. That's the most covered song mm-hmm. in musical history. Right, it came to him in his dream. Uh, Let it be, same thing. Came to him in a dream. You know, I've never had a dream like that. I've never had a dream that I'd get up and say, "Oh, let's do this movie, this book, this whatever." You know, it's never that organized. Well, do you consider yourself to be a creative writer, or do you just do it? Is there, or is it more of a, a mechanics? Like you have a formula you work with, and you just kind of like roll with that and you know, patch in the blank spots. No, no, no. I mean, you know, I mean, the way I try, I mean, they give me uh, book contracts. You can't turn them down. They want a certain mm-hmm. thing and you write it. You know, you write it to your best of your ability. I edit, re-edit. I edit seven, eight times, man. I read these yeah. books seven or eight times to make sure everything flows. But I've never had any encouragement or anything from the, uh, you know, the netherworld, whatever. I want to ask you one more question before we go to a break, okay? And Jill, maybe mm-hmm. you know about this, maybe not. Okay, this is another weird thing that happens in my life. Club, you might okay. want to take notes here, okay? So I'll be sitting there writing, all right? Mm-hmm. And I'll have like the TV on, or I'll have music in my head or whatever. And I will be writing a word that I hear on TV at the exact same moment to the, to the point oh. where I have a journal of it. I have a journal, and, they, and you read them and they make sense in a weird way. They make sense, and I always thought it was maybe someone who I know passed on kind of getting 
a message through to me or whatever. It's very strange. Some of the stuff I should show you. Some of the stuff I've strung together is so, very strange. I, I thought you meant one thing, but maybe I misinterpreted it. Okay. So are you hearing the same thing that you're writing? No, like, like at, I'll, at write, the time? I'll write the word uh, admiral and someone on the okay. TV just said admiral. Oh, no, exactly. And I'm telling you, I have those exact same experiences. But with me, it's radio and and road signs. So at least once a month, I will be driving my car. And at the exact same time, a word is spoken on the radio. It's on a a, a sign that I'm passing on the road. Yeah, yes. What is that? What is that? Well, it's synchronicity is what it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, By the place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. I got a book about it. Mm Mm-hmm. It, yes, Carl Young. Something it's, not about, it's not about the album by the police. Yeah, Carl Young, great it's, album, yeah. great, great it, album. But yeah, it's it's like you think it's somebody, and that person calls you. Right, exactly. Synchronicity. All right, right. And we used to have a guy on all the time. And, and, and remember that guy who used to come on at uh, um, uh, Gray, his last Gray Scott, right? He was a futurist, and he used to say, "Is yeah. what, what would happen is that that, that what that is is that to screw up in the in the in the uh, matrix, okay? That coincidences are just." Uh, a blip in the in the program, okay. And synchronicity is the same thing. Carl Jung came up with the theory of synchronicity because he was right. a psychiatrist, and he was in his patient was talking about his fear of moths, and a moth came in the window and landed on the guy's chest, and he said, "That's like too much of a coincidence. That has to be some kind of yeah. a connection." And that's what synchronicity. Oh, it's yeah, and so the book Synchronicity, uh, Pete, I believe, is the last name of the author. Okay. I don't I'll remember have to his dig it up. It, first and it's name. not a big book, too. It's, no, it's, it's not. Pistol but holy book. cow, is that a mind blower? Yeah. Um, some of these synchronicities are like six or seven, eight levels deep. Yeah, so crazy. a person throughout their day will see or experience this one thing six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. eleven times. Right. And it, it's just there's no there's there are no coincidences. I know that. But when something keeps bubbling up into your consciousness, something there is a message there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. From whom? Well, we're one big ball of energy, and and we are connected in ways that we can't even imagine. To yeah, uh, I believe that mm-hmm. other energy fields around us are far yeah. away. There's distance doesn't matter. Right. right. Yes. Right. And we know this. We are multi-dimensional beings, uh, and yeah. we focus an awful lot on the physical. But there's so much of us below the surface, behind oh, this, wow. this level that we're living in, that we rarely think to connect with. Most of us don't even acknowledge that it exists. Right. Um, but for those of us that do know it's there, even we are guilty of not connecting and not existing in that space as often as we need to. Right. I think of that line in the, that, that song, uh, uh, turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. John Lennon. <laughs> yep. Okay, those, those are the words from Tomorrow the book. Tomorrow Never Knows from Revolver, no. from supposedly, That's, what, the Tibetan Book of the, the Dead? The Book of the what? Dead by Timothy Leary and his friends, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, it's... Well, There's some merit to that, right? Timothy Leary calling us right now on the phone. Listen, why don't we take a break <laughs> right now, and um, uh, we'll come back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. The shark baby has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie, baby, and it keeps it out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, baby, scarlet billows. 
start to spread Fancy gloves though Where's old Maggie Heath be So there's never Never a trace of red Now on the sidewalk Ooh, Sunday morning uh -huh, Lies a body Just oozing life And someone sneaking Round the corner Could that someone Be Mac the Knife There's a tugboat Down by the river, don't you know Where a cement bag Just drooping on down Oh, that cement is just It's there for the way to dare Five will get you ten old Mackies back in town Can't you hear about Louis Miller He disappeared, babe After drawing out All his hard-earned cash And now Maggie spins Just like a shell Could it be our boy's done something rash Back in town I said Jenny Diver Whoa, Suki Tawdry Look out to Miss Lottie Lenya And old Lucy Brown Yes, that light 